Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode, episode 23 today. Um, if you don't mind giving us a like and a share or a rating or whatever you call it on... Subscribe. Subscribe, yeah, <laughs> on a podcast or Spotify or whatever platforms we're on. All but the platforms. All the platforms. Um, that help us out, so I appreciate that. Um Today, we're going to talk about some velocity training and what true velocity training is. Not only throwing velocity, but that spectrum of the force or the force velocity curve or strength speed continuum or whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is kind of the more of the in-season portion of training with fall ball going on right now. Uh, first and foremost, you have to train your ass off to get to the strength speed, uh, or sorry, the speed portion of the force velocity curve, which we see a lot of guys actually never achieving that, in my opinion, right? Uh, guys don't spend the weight time in the weight room or in a throwing buildup phase or whatever it may be, just to or a, a swing pattern phase with a heavy load, under load swings. Uh, to to get to that point, you know, we see a lot of guys like having to train in the off season, get strong, and then just abandon what we're doing, you know, and that's kind of the first. First problem we have working with athletes that do that, you know, how the program is designed. It's a year long, it's a year, full year program where we're hitting absolute strength, which we've talked about strength, speed, and then going into speed, strength, and then going into absolute speed. Today, we're talking about some absolute speed stuff or velocity portions of it. Uh, we monitored a lot of stuff on the velocity based tool called Gymware. I really like that tool. Shout out to them if they're listening. Give us a sponsorship. Maybe donate four or five more units to us. Um, you know, but please. please, like five k each. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, we monitor everything we do. Like we've always talked about the data portion of it, right? So, um, you know, going off of that, we we look at like the weight room velocity, right? You know, guys think of like I'm gonna do power cleans or hang cleans or whatever to increase velocity. So first and foremost of that, like that's a highly technical skill, right? So that's a whole other sport in general. So strength, the strength coach needs to spend time, right? He needs to spend time with the, with the, with the athlete, teaching him a completely different sport away from the sport of baseball that he's training for, right? Where we can actually get better crossover through different different patterns and you know not just to mention the, the the risk reward of it you know with elbows and wrists and all that kind of stuff of the olympic lifts but you know there's other ways we can train that velocity side and you know this is something that we've tested out over the years with just basic you know med ball throws sprint patterns whatever maybe we'll get we'll definitely get into that here in a little bit but you know i was one of the few guys that you know five, six, or seven, eight, ten years ago that wasn't prescribing hand cleans. I don't think that Brendan I've ever had you do a hand clean ever in your entire life, right? So it's like I, I hope not. You know? Um even as our football guys, when I was training football players, it's like, hey, like, I just don't see the the crossover for this. And you know, that that being said, it's just the fact that it's a whole nother sport. And that, you know, and you, like I mentioned earlier, you have to train your ass off to get to that point. You have to have a foundation of strength to get to that point. And that's when, I'm, when I say train your, train your ass off, I'm talking years of development to get to that point. 
have a foundation of strength to get to that point, you know? Um, so with that being said, um, Brandon, what are your kind of your favorite ways to train velocity in the weight room? Uh, I think like you just, you mentioned earlier, you know, depending on the athlete's training age and, you know, their work capacity and, you know, just where they're at and their, their training life, you know, you can, you know, start with just sprint work, you know, um, sprints are obviously going to be, um, a foundation to any athletes, you know, whether you're a field athlete or, you know, um, not a field athlete, I mean, just sprints are one way to start. And then, um, you can go through med ball work. And then also I, I think too, is a good way to drive intent during season when weights are going to come down a little bit is like you said, in season, in season training, when, um, the intent to drive the weight or move the weight a little bit quicker, um, helps the athlete think they're doing a little bit more um work in season versus where if you're just telling them like hey we're going obviously a little bit lighter loads then they might just start moving the weight a little bit slower they're going to kind of half-ass the list probably not take it as serious so i think um just the intent and moving weight in the weight room itself can also focus on you know velocity itself 100 and you gotta think too right where let's let's go off rpes for example how we train our pitchers right our rpes so rate of preserved exertion so it's you know, we say, guy, like, throw this at six or seven, right? Same thing in the weight room. You know, we're like, sprint should be an all-out sprint, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. We'll never reach maximal sprint pattern or speeds ever, right? No matter what the athlete does. They think they can be running all-out, but they always have that one extra half a percent or whatever it may be. Um, you know, so there, there's true seven RPEs, probably more so like a five RPE, you know, in the weight room. Not in the throwing side, but in the weight room, in my opinion. You know, so sprint, like you said, sprinting to me is the most beneficial, most transferred velocity portion that we can, that we can display most display of power, I guess. Right. Um, you know, there's no way to implement this, just you and yourself. Right. And obviously sprint mechanics go into it. And you know, if you haven't heard the episode with coach Chris Adams on that, that's a great, that was a great episode as well. But, um, you know, train that, that sprint pattern all out with more RP left is my opinion, the best velocity training we can possibly do. Right. Um, so, you know, going with that, Andrew, like, what do you see with the, with the pitcher now train, train velocity, you know, how are you, like, what do you want to see a pitcher do in the weight room? I guess what I'm saying to, so you can get them to transfer over to the mound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, I think something that's never neglected is like lower half, velocity work right so sprinting trap bar jumps with like low weight dumbbell jumps things of that nature but i think what not necessarily gets neglected neglected but i think could be beneficial for a lot of throwers in general is like more upper body plyometric work maybe like uh, like obviously like we do a lot of like band assisted plyo push-ups um things like that overhead med ball throws chest passes stuff like that i just like Truly, like kind of what Brandon said is like that intention behind everything you're doing kind of drives the the uh, the goal, right? So like I think like a lot of times if we get a guy who has like a med ball chest pass, for example, and like we're going with like a, a lighter med ball, like a four pound med ball, they're kind of just like sometimes they may just be like kind of pushing it, just like trying to get it up, just like so they can get on with their next workout, whatever they have, and like their their D block or whatever. But it's like that can be kind of like the changing factor with like how they perform on the mound kind of thing. So um, I think, yeah, I don't know if that made sense, but yeah. going back to like, yeah, just like more like upper, bo upper body plyometric work, lateral push-ups, uh, 
depth drop push-ups, just stuff that is like kind of like a lot of variety. Um, I mean, it's the same thing on the mound. Like, and, and at the end of the day, like the most plyometric activity like a thrower actually does is throw a ball, right? And like that's kind of the whole point of, of plyos is like we are using overload and underload implements. And they're basically doing the same thing we're, we're trying to get in the in the weight room. So throwing, throw the ball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it all goes back to that, right? And yeah. Going off that too is like going off what something you said, like they're just doing the reps to get through it. That's why it's sometimes great to program this seven sets, eight sets of two to three reps of each of a jump or a plyo or a throw or whatever it may be, right? You know, I've even seen, I've even programmed 10 sets of two, right? Mm -hmm. you know, instead of three sets of five or, you know, four sets of five or whatever, four sets of three, like 10 sets of two or even one rep. Yeah. You get maximal output that way. You know, so kind of having those reps in reserve, right? And keeping reps in reserve for power is really important in my mm -hmm. opinion, but also displaying maximal intent for that one or two reps. Yeah. And, um, you know, just going on that, it's like, how, how hard are we throwing the plyos? How hard are we throwing a med ball? How, now what's our intent? And that differs every single day, right? We're not going to blow out every single day. We're going to go tempo runs instead of maximal sprints. We're going to do, you know, a recovery day instead of hybrid, full out hybrid B, right? Or hybrid A or whatever it may be. Um, you know, transferring it to the mound now is like, or in the in the cage, like we do a med ball scoop for distance, throw as, as far as they can versus as, as hard as they can, right? If they throw as hard as, as far as they can, they obviously have to put a lot of effort into it. So give them a tangible distance to hit or beat every single time. You know, put a radar gun on them, throwing a med ball off the mound, right? That's the best correlation we could possibly do, you know? Um, but that being said, we need to also take a step back and look at their strength foundation. We're not going to just throw somebody into this phase right off the bat. And, you know, some issues that Brandon, you and I have had with athletes, it, you know, going back to years ago is like just the basics of guys not working hard enough to get there. Right. Um, when, when do you see a lot of guys start to fall off? You know, I'm not saying all guys do this by all means, but the great ones stay the, the mediocre ones definitely kind of fall off. And then the guys in between, that's what's going to make or break them, right? So staying on staying on board, working throughout the season. You know, what time of time of year do you see guys fall off? And why do you think that is? Uh, I think it's just whenever stuff that isn't a priority to them kind of starts coming up. Like, like basically just when they're – I'm putting in quotes or hyphens, their schedules get too busy. Um, and you can start to see what the athlete actually really prioritizes, you know, because everybody has the same amount of time in the day. Um, and, you know, I get it. Some guys might have a little bit more constraint on their schedule, depending on your age, because you might be relying a little on maybe um, transportation with mom and dad. But then at the same time, it's like you see athletes time and time again, start carpooling with other buddies. They find rides, they do whatever they can. Um, so it's like at the same time, it's just, you know, ultimately kind of comes down to how bad do they, they really want it. Uh, but usually it's just, you know, it's when season starts to maybe pick up a little bit, um, guys start filling a little bit um, priority more towards the field side, I would say. And then they kind of put a back burner on the, the weight room. And it's like, that's everything you've been doing all year to be on the field to stay healthy. So it's like, that should be probably one of your priorities to keep in your routine. Um, because like, obviously, like you said, you, you want to be on the field, you want to be playing. So it's like, what's been keeping you on the field and playing all year is the one thing that you usually see guys sometimes take out. Yeah. Um, and that's where it kind of gets a little bit backwards. And uh, I think it just, like I said, it just kind of comes down to the the people that, that want it the most. Cause you know, you have guys that don't miss workouts, whether it's from day one all the way through. And then you have the guys that's like, 
they come in when it's kind of convenient. They don't really have anything going on. But then as soon as, you know, something uh, starts to come up a little bit, then, you notice their attendance drops a little bit. So, um, but I just think it ultimately kind of comes down to the, the guys that want it most. So, Eric, how how fast do you lose strength? Do you know this answer? Uh, I think it starts after seven days. Yep. How fast do you lose power? Three to four days. Three to four days. So these guys quitting in season, right? Kind of not changing topics here by all means, but these guys quitting before the season starts, thinking they did enough in the summer, and then it's like a fall ball came, winter ball or spring ball came, whatever. Screw it. We're done. There's a lot more than three to seven days of time lapse over the three to five months that they're playing, right? So, you know, going off of the force velocity now, it's like the number one thing that you need is mass, right? So that's strength. So it's was it mass times velocity, I believe, is force, right? Yeah. I think that's how you, that's the equation on top of my head. Um, pretty sure. Double check that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, my mass times velocity equals force. So number one thing you need is mass. If you're not building that mass throughout, right? If you're not training any kind of strength for a certain period of time for seven days, you're going to lose velocity. Therefore, you're going to lose force, right? So force is the number one factor here, right? On the force velocity curve. Like you can't supply force. You don't have velocity. You don't have mass. You don't have force. Therefore, you don't have velocity, you know? Um, so that transfers to the mount or out the barrel now, right? So, you know, seeing these kids just abandon what they're doing right out, you know, coming into, well, we have slow times in the facility, obviously guys, pro guys leave, college guys leave, high school guys hit or miss of what they want to do. If they don't want to be a great baseball player, it's fine. We're probably not, our program's not for them, truthfully, right? But it's hard for us coaches to program guys that, for guys that don't have a long-term program. Right. So you're looking at the, the force velocity curve. It's Brandon, like how long do you think the force velocity curve is? What is it? A whole year. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're dosing, I mean, if you're going, if you're taking account for in season work, out of season work, you know, recovery times like regen. Yeah. I mean, that's it's yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a long term process. It's not an overnight short term. thing. And then going off that, we can't this is something you, you can talk about is microdosing stuff. Right. We talked about that before. Mm -hmm. Like you can't give guys micro doses of, of exercises throughout the course of the in season stuff to keep their power output up, keep their strength up. You know, you know, slow progress is slow progress first and foremost. Maintenance phase is, is a detrimental pattern to their development, right? So, and you're like, how would you want to see an athlete get essentially micro dosing to their program? Yeah, like you mean like, question. yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. You mean like in season? Yeah, in season. Yeah. Like during the speed phases. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think it just comes down to picking really like, I was going to say like low CNS taxing exercises, but like you still have to like load the weight. Like if we're still like trying to drive force, like we start losing a lot of force and like strength, like, you know, you that doesn't that doesn't really work. Like that, that means that you can't microdose in that way then. Like if you're trying to like leave no stone and turned in season, you still have to kind of like move weight around. Right. So it's just not, it's not like you have to train hard all the time. Right. And like, obviously like you have good programming and a good coach, like they're going to take those things into consideration. So I would say, um, mixing in some sort of heavy, like upper and lower movement, uh, doesn't need to be like a crazy 
four by five or four by three or five by three or whatever. It could be a two by two. It could be a two by two. It could be a literal Mac top set of yeah. of three. Like it doesn't have to be something crazy like that. Or heavy isometric. Even that, yeah. One rep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Things like that. And then I think once we get into like the, the speed stuff, like it's I think it's even easier there, right? You can kind of do the same thing we we're talking about. Higher sets, lower reps. And then if we if the guy's like pitching some relatively soon, like within that week, even lower than that, four by three, four by two. It, you know, I, I think it's I think there's a lot of excuses to be made on the like the athlete side, because I was I was definitely there once, but um I, I remember like yeah, in college, like I was kind of complaining about like what we were doing because but like looking back, they were doing kind of the right thing. It, it made sense. They were microdosing all the things that needed to be hit um, and kind of leaving no stone unturned. And I think that's kind of where, where all of that kind of ties in, just not leaving uh, any doors open. Yeah. I mean, looking into that, it's like we don't want to completely abandon a strength program, essentially what we're saying, right? Mm-hmm. It's like what Eric just said is we're still hitting strength in season. You know, it's just the matter of fact of how to do it, when to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not conditioned to hit some strength and power on a game day, you're detrained, period, right? And, you know, how many times, Ashton, have you heard a parent call or an athlete call and say, I can't lift on game day or, mm-hmm. you know, I can't lift in season? You know what I mean? A lot, <laughs> a lot right? It's, yeah. it's, it's sad because, like, they work their ass off. We've given them kind of the guidance to get to that point to be able to do that. And then it's just at the very last minute when it's the most important time to go, when it's actual go time, it's like, I'm good. Yeah. Like we're done. What do you say to, I remember talking to a guy at an event um, and he was throwing like 93 high school kid and he's like, I don't need strength. I'm already doing this. Like, what would you say to that guy? I mean, at that point it's durability. Yeah. Right. And how long can you sustain that 93? And then also cool. You throw 93. Like right. guys throw sliders at 93 now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. How, how old was no, he? just he was like 16 or something. Just yeah. coming back still to like good. how no, it's awesome, but trying to show him like, hey, it's more than like that's great, but yeah, you gotta come back to that. Ask strength. him how he's gonna throw 96. Exactly. Yeah. Or stay healthy. And then yeah, at 16, <laughs> yeah. you're throwing 93. That's a lot of torque and a lot of power right. being put output on your arm and your body, right? There's a lot of stress. Throwing a baseball alone is not the most like healthy thing for your body. It's the right. most violent thing in all the sports. So after, you know, guys getting hit by a linebacker in the NFL yeah. doesn't even come close to the equation of what throwing a baseball is. Yeah. I think know? it's like educating the parents too, because they see, oh, my son's all world throwing this at 16. And it's like, yeah, then it's like, I want to showcase, 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 exactly. showcase, showcase. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're 88, 90, 88, 90, 91, 92, now you're 87, 89. Now his arms mess, like he needs his strength. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like a lot of, I mean, it's just the world in general today is very like, oh, 93, like, that's good. But then like, yeah, it's cool to throw 93. We know it's cool. Throw 99 to 100. Yeah. That's even cooler. But 16, <laughs> if you're at 93, like, oh, what's, yeah, what's yeah. your ceiling? Right. right? Where are you at? Where, where are you going? Like, let's see what you can do. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, we're, gonna, we're not going to mess you up to the point where it's like, or you're pro- hopefully a program, not us or anybody, like somebody else like hopefully that program won't mess you up and decrease velocity mm-hmm. while you're training for it right yeah but you know just, i think just saying i don't need strength is the worst possible thing you can do for durable durability aspect yeah. right the best yeah. the best ability is availability that's the most cliche term cliche term ever yeah. you know what i mean and at 16 and, anything is just going to help you <laughs> yeah so 
hundred percent. And you know, so like strength to me is like, I told, said this a thousand times in the podcast already strength is the foundation of all patterns, all movements, all, everything. And I think it's just the fact that he needs to fall flat on his face to unfortunately see the importance of that. Right. And that it's just an education aspect of saying, actually, this is how you develop more velocity, more power, mm-hmm. more everything. Like, plus that kid's content at throwing 93. He's going to be content a lot of other places in his life. Mm-hmm. Right. He's just content. He doesn't want to work hard for it. Apparently like I'm, I'm good. I'm good enough, mm-hmm. you know, and that shows you who that person is, how that kid is. And how is that kid going to be when he gets to college? Right. And the coach says, Hey, you need to go to the weight room. Mm-hmm. You need to get in the weight room with all the other freshmen. Right. Mm-hmm. Or even a pro ball. If he makes it somehow gets a pro ball. Hey, you got to get in the weight room every single day. It's mandatory. And never, and never, lift never lift lifted strength. <laughs> yeah. Like what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, he's going to have a really young training age and he's going to be left behind. <clears throat> you know, he's going to see all these guys that were 89, 91 passing him when he was 93. Now they're 93, 95. He's still 92, 93. Like, and first and foremost, I bet you he's hit 93. He does not throw 93. Let's be honest like that's there's a difference that's, that's fast, that's fast that's right? <laughs> you know there's there's no shot that's even possible like he's sitting 93 without doing strength stuff in my opinion i've had one athlete kevin gosman in my entire career of coaching where the kid growing up was like he was strong but he didn't like develop in the weight until probably senior high school going into college right and then he was like, then he was like 95, 99. Then he's like 101. This is like, now his velocity still is 97, 98, you know? Mm-hmm. But he takes his weight room stuff serious now. Mm-hmm. It's about guys figuring it out along the way and hopefully it's just not too late at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Yep. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Eric, what do you got on, on uh, I didn't ask you about the weight room side of the velocity stuff. Uh, the biggest thing that I see is that just learning from like a biomechanical standpoint how to actually do things fast like sprint mechanics if you just learn how to run right yeah that's going to improve if you learn how to throw a med ball right it's going to improve that's just basic stuff that i try to keep my i mean everyone's athletes like you know if they're doing if they're doing a med ball scoop toss and they're just flying over their front foot and whipping their back leg out are they actually transitioning that force correctly no so are they going to do that right on the mound probably not yeah, I mean, joint placement dictates muscle function, period, yeah. right? Um, how many guys, Andrew, do you see guys just going through the motion with a med ball routine, like what Eric just said, and then it transfers to the mound, right? It, yeah, it doesn't transfer. It doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah. At all. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's sloppy mechanics in the med ball pattern. It's going to be sloppy mechanics probably on the mound. That, that's that's something that like I've talked to Ben with, with uh, you know, who he – so one of our guys, <laughs> like high school kid – had like a decent, decent lower half, like looked good. And then kind of Brandon kind of took over like his med ball routine for and all, all of everything else that that entailed in his program for like six weeks or so and came back to the mound, started throwing kind of on ramping and he looks unbelievable, like truly unbelievable. So he, I, like he has, who knows what his ceiling is uh, uh, right now. So, but yeah, like kind of goes vice versa. Doing things right has a huge transfer if you're doing them wrong. Probably not gonna so what did you do, well. Brandon, to, to fix that? It was just time for him to progress into that stage. Uh, you know, he's just he's a really young kid that, you know, he's always been pretty strong for his age. 
So it was almost like one of those things like, hey, I know you're strong, but let's like start moving well. Um, so it's just kind of like just telling them to like be patient with it. And then it's just basically we're basically at that stage now where like things are kind of clicking and um, I'll just basically the pieces, like the long term pieces that we've been working on for like a good while now are just starting to actually like take place. And it was explaining to him the intent behind of like what we were doing and why. Um, and I think when we kind of had that, we had that conversation probably like a good month or two because it was after spring season. Um, and then it was kind of like in the middle of summer and uh, kind of started getting, you know, he's actually he committed this last summer. So it's just like kind of telling him, like, basically just look at the long, big picture versus just like, hey, what can we do just today? And I think that kind of went a long way with him because it was just like, hey, like, you know, like what we're doing today and what we're doing tomorrow and what we're doing Friday is going to have a toll or, you know, it's going to have a big play in like the long run versus just like looking at just the very, very like minute minute. And I, I'd say like uh, Andrew was saying in the last four or five weeks, you know, just his intent on his med ball work and what we've been working on has just taken off. And I think it's just because like we said, he's just, he's been patient with it and he's just looking at the long picture. And also it was just, you know, knowing his assessment, knowing how he moves and then giving him the, the drills and the constraints to actually get the positions that we want to. So, I mean, obviously it's not like he was just doing this, doing this and it just worked. Yeah. It was like, you know, like trying to just, give it to you like in a short sense. It was just like, you know, he moves a certain way. So we had him doing certain things to try and put him in the positions that we needed. 100%. And now that we've kind of started to get those, he's starting to actually get the feel. And that's been the biggest thing is, you know, he's always, like I say, he's been a big, he's always been a pretty good mover. He's always been really strong, but now he's actually starting to feel it. And that's where the connection is. And, and a little bit more attention to detail. Yeah, and it, exactly. And it's just, you know, like we talked about, like we started basically ground-based, I kind of just kept his movements with the med balls really kind of just basic, simple. And then just basically over the week or every two weeks, we would kind of add just like basically we just sprinkle in just a little bit more stuff, um, whether it was like, you know, just a little bit more rotation here or, you know, maybe a little bit. We're going overhead to the side here just to kind of get basically the fill through his obliques or through like his back hip. Um, all the stuff that we were looking for. And then, you know, we crushed it on the ground for a while and then we moved it over to the mound. So, I mean, I think that was the big thing too, is we started on flat ground uh, and got the patterns really good there first. And then we took it to the mound versus just putting them on the mound first and actually just hoping they kind of stuck. So I think that's where now like that feel is really coming into play and he can see how what we were working on six weeks ago is what he's feeling on the mound now. Um, and I think that's just the, the biggest thing. So how much are you going back to going back to micro dosing? How much are you going back into some strength stuff with him? So now we've actually, now that he's picked up the throwing side, we've actually kind of dialed it back a little bit with more of the, the med ball stuff. Cause now he's getting the heavier rotations and putting more of the, the focus on the actual throwing aspect. Cause now he's ramping back up into throwing. He's kind of going back into a little bit more of throwing intent because basically we had him deloaded on the throwing side because it was post spring, post summer. So we just kind of shut him down for a little bit. So we figured why not work on his lower half? We could still, you know, do a little bit higher intense stuff, but without the throwing, but that's what we're using the med balls for. Um, and then now that he's throwing again, it's like, all right, we might not necessarily need the higher intent upper body med ball stuff. So we've kept a little bit of maybe the lower body stuff, but now it's like, all right, you're getting the majority of your high intense stuff from throwing. So now on, like you said, the weight room side, we're kind of going back into more of the strength focus. Perfect. I mean, that's just complimenting with what you want as an athlete, right, Andrew? I mean, it's all right. Now we're, that's the communication portion going back to that too, right? It's every week. Um, 
So Eric, what what are your kind of your patterns you like to do with guys on the med ball side? If a guy, you know, if a guy needs that that I guess strength and speed both, right? Are you are you throwing more of a, a heavier implement? Are you throwing more of a lighter implement? Are you doing more post activation potentiation work? Like what's kind of your go to on that? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It kind of depends. I guess I've never really had to think about it in that way. I mean, normally it's, I mean, I'm trying That's to, why get, I'm asking this question because yeah. you better figure it out. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying, if I'm doing a med ball scoop toss, unless it's for like a movement pattern that they just can't do. And I don't really care about speed. Yeah. Then I'll go heavier. But if I like, I mean, most of the time, if I'm, if I can't, I mean, if I'm trying to get them to get into movement, I can probably find it in a weight room. So usually if I'm using the med ball, it's just because I'm trying to get them to move yeah, faster. Speed. Yeah. But also get into that movement pattern. Yeah. Um, but, and don't really care about strength. So, but I mean, usually I'll go for like a, if it's a kid who's got like a lower training age and he just doesn't know how to get sink into that back hit, whether he's like hitting or throwing or whatever, um, I'll probably do like a buddy, uh, buddy uh, med ball scoop toss, but I'll just like throw it into the back hip. Then you got to catch it and react right away. That usually works pretty good, and then just progress from there. Yeah, I mean that's the reason I asked is because on my, on, I just want to know what you thought because you've had you know some cool internships and learned from under some cool people too. You know, like for me, it's like I always look at gravity, right? Where I look at all right, if you're doing a slam variation, I can go heavy, right? Yeah. Gravity's yeah, pull, right. gravity's pulling that ball down no matter what. Yeah. There's little risk to that. Right, you can go a twenty pound med ball slam, totally fine, no issue. Um, you know, on the med ball shot put side, you know, it's probably gonna for me gonna be four, six, or maybe eight pound med ball, more so mm -hmm. the six pound med ball. Um, you know, I don't think I ever go over ten on those or eight on those. You know, um, scoop toss can be around eight to ten. You know, six, eight, ten, six ish. Chest pass gonna be heavier. Chest pass can be heavier because you're gonna get the gravity right. Or on a supinated chest pass, I guess. Um, reverse gravity, you know, but little little risks. So for me, it's like how much power do we need, or how much strength do we need to produce this power? It's like, all right, we gotta like we talked about with our breathing stuff and our guts and our bloods and our liquids. Like we gotta let gravity do its course, yeah, right? Sure. We can't fight gravity, and you know, uh, I think a granny toss would be good for a heavier ball, heavier weighted implement. You know, just to see how far they, I mean, we could do a, a lighter implement to please sort of see actual power output and then, or just basic velocity and then a heavier implement to see the actual power output, like heavier implement to get them to display that strength speed component, you know? Um, so there's like, we can manipulate the force velocity curve with different weight, weight weighted med balls, right? Um, you know, the heavier stuff is going to be more strength speed. The lighter stuff's going to be more so on just the, the, the speed side, the absolute speed side or the force side. Um, so I, that's kind of how I look at the med ball training in the weight room to supply to the, the to the, uh, to the, to the, excuse me, the mound to the, to the field or whatever we're doing. Um, and then we can add speed stuff with the med ball. I like can do a chest pass to sprint, right? We're getting a double power. Output on that, load, loading the hip, getting out of it, you know, getting some upper body power into it, right? So shocking that CNS right off the bat. Um, you know, a box dropped, a, a med ball throw, guys need absorption, giving absorption, and giving them what they're good at in power, 
you know, so we don't ever want to, you know, take away what they're good at and only give them what they're shitty at. We want to give them what they're good at and what they're bad at combined the two, essentially, in my opinion. That's how I look at the med ball training. Brian, you got anything on that? Yeah, no, I think it just kind of goes back to what you were asking, Eric, earlier, too, just a little bit of what kind of, you know, implements or how are you training is. I think it also kind of comes down to the athlete itself that you're training, too. Do you have a guy that is strictly made up of uh, fast twitch fibers and a guy that, you know, already can jump through the roof, you know, his lateral side to side, his speed, you know, his 10 yard split is, you know, under a one four, you know, a guy that is just super fast or are you a guy that can, you know, deadlift and squat the house, but then he has a 10 minute, 10 yard split, you know? So I think, he, <laughs> you know, so I think, I mean, honestly, it's just, you know, you can get some athletes that are that far along the spectrum. So it's just like the way you're going to give them speed is differently. You know, yeah. so one guy, he's already really, really fast. So it's just like, you know, what might make you faster is actually now strength work, you know, 100%. you know, with a little bit of obviously the, well, the fast twitch times? work in there because you're already that, but it's like, you know, you're, you're so fast twitch that's just like, you need to just probably get stronger to make sure you can control how quickly you're getting in and out of positions, you know, so we'll probably give you maybe, maybe just a little bit of ISO so that way we're still keeping the stiffness and that way you're going to transfer the force and still move quickly. Um, but then if you're a guy that, you know, you're just, you've been standing over a bar and, you know, on a squat rack for the last five years and just moving, moving heavy weight. And it's been at, you know, super slow speeds. It's like, all right, well, Hey, like, yeah, you're super strong. And we always say, you know, speed's a byproduct of strength, but it's like, why am I not fast? And it's like, well, yeah, you've been moving re really heavy weight, but it's been at zero intent and you're not putting that force quickly into the ground. You're putting that force slowly into the ground or, you know, whatever you want to, what terminology you want to use yielding or whatever but it's just like so it's like type of athletes are going to tell you also how you're going to give them their their speed or their strength yeah and i i mean i personally programming for an athlete that was a competitive power lifter yeah right mm -hmm. and he throws the shit out of the baseball you know granny's coming back from injury but like he throws the shit out of the baseball but it's like we've done some economy resistance stuff and we've done a lot of bbt stuff and then now we're starting to now he's able to throw a baseball bird adding a little bit more weight, uh, med ball stuff, the weighted ball increments with, with you, Andrew, you know, so it's, you know, just that athlete, obviously I'm not going to give him a sumo deadlift because he's biased towards the ER, right? So like, and he's just going to pull it slow, right? It's not going to do anything for him. You know, I had him do some reverse banded squats. You know, he wanted to squat, so I gave him reverse banded squats, move it faster, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, he already moves slow enough in strength, you know? Um, but at the end of the spectrum, how many times have we seen as a, as a staff, have we seen guys just come in the weight room, we don't even hit any kind of velocity curve training, and it's hit the weight room, and they're throwing harder, running faster, right? It's the lowest hanging fruit for a lot of these guys, you know? So it really determines on, you know, velocity training really determines on who the athlete is, what their training age is, who, what their makeup is. Are they a fast switch guy? Are they, are they stiff? If they're not stiff, we need definitely, if they want to move faster, we got to get them stiffer. Yeah. You know, that's through a lot of ISOs, eccentrics, you know, some heel elevated stuff or just on your toe, feel the toe, feel the hamstring, feel the adductor, feel the glute, right? Create, create some tendon tightness, right? It's not just about muscle stuff. Muscle stuff is creating stiffer tendons, right? And we can we can do that through isometrics and, and all that. You know, I really like like a... Uh, Ankle, like a ankle rocker circuit. It's not really an ankle rocker, but it's like you do a bowler squat on your toes and you hold each position of the of the gate face. You go like mid stance, late stance, and then like toe off. And like you just do like into hip extension, holding those positions for like 10 seconds each. 
and their tendons just blow up. And then you, you can test their power output right after. It's like super elastic, elastic super fast, super powerful. Um, there's, as you can tell, there's thousands of different ways to train, train the, the, the speed stuff. So, um, you know, on, on the velocity based tool now going to that, it's like, all right, we're training probably 0 0.85, 0 0.90 to 1.1, 1.2, right? Would you say on some movements like a deadlift, let's say example, um, for me, that's like a higher end, you know, that's going to tax the CNS pretty quick, but same time, it's going to, if we do it right, we do 10 sets of two, like we said, eight sets of two, six sets of two in season and still be good to go, you know, and they're getting a lot of good output for that. So there's, I mean, there's tons of different ways to train, train velocity. I don't think we've missed much today, have we? Do you have any other ways to train, train no, velocity no. away from throwing velocities? No, I think that's it. No. Andrew, you got anything else? No. Brandon? All right, I think, I'm, I think we're good. Ashley, you got anything on the training velocity? I'm good. I know you're really fast. All right, thanks, guys.